Hello, welcome to Inspired Caring. I'm your host, Michelle Magner. If you are caring for an older family member, this is the podcast for you. Each week, I bring insight, tips, inspiration, and strategies to help you care for the people that you love without losing yourself along the way. Having cared for both of my grandmothers, I've helped manage everything from hospital stays, households full of belongings, to navigating senior living and end-of-life care. And I've worked in senior living as a result of that experience, serving my residents and their families as they've been on this journey too. Thank you for joining me today, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Inspired Caring. Good morning, Nikki. Thank you for being here today. Good morning, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. I would like for you just to share a little bit about your company and what you do, and we'll dive into some more questions after that. Sounds great. Well, my name is Nikki Wick, and I am with Outreach Patient Advocates, and I help people maneuver through the complex healthcare system. Um, Most of these people, a lot of them are seniors. Um, I create a detailed past medical history form, um, an accurate medication list. I sometimes will accompany them to their doctor's visits, um, take notes and just help ask appropriate questions. Um, I then follow up with the patient to make sure that they have picked up any new medications, have the resources in place to be a compliant patient. Um, And then I can also help with bedside monitoring and um, in the hospital and transitions of care. Um, And then I also try to help patients save money when it comes to prescription medications and just looking at explanation of benefits for patients and things like that. That's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many different aspects of it. Yes. There are so many different aspects. Um, One of the things, so you, that is immediately jumping out to me is really the medical system is just feels super complex. It's just not straightforward anymore. And especially when you have so many specialties and so trying to figure it out. So I guess starting at the beginning, when someone first comes to you just to say, Mm -hmm. I need, I need some help. Mm -hmm. Um, You, how comprehensive is that initial form that you're filling out? Yeah. So usually people will call and I'll gather just, uh, you know, some general information from them. Um, And you, a lot of times they're calling in a time of crisis or um, they need help for a loved one. And so Mm -hmm. I will usually just take down some initial information and then set up an initial consultation with them, which usually lasts about two hours. And I have learned just about their past medical history, um, their surgeries that they've had in the past. Uh, I get an accurate medication. I look at all of their medication bottles and write down all of their prescriptions Mm. and then um, find out if they're taking those correctly. You know, are they taking them like they say, you know, on the bottle that they should be taking them? I, um, also will learn about how their diet is and if they're exercising. Um, Because you only get 
you know, maybe 10 minutes with a specialist. Mm -hmm. And so they don't have time a lot of times to ask the patient, well, how, how is your diet? What are you eating? Um, how are you sleeping? And are you taking your medications appropriately? And so I really try and find out um, that information and then what their goals are and what their concerns are. And then um, we create a detailed plan mm -hmm. and kind of go from, go from there. And I appreciate that you're asking questions about lifestyle because I feel like oftentimes when you're popping in to a doctor for like a specific thing, they're not asking you like, how much alcohol are you drinking? Or right. people are lying on the form. I used yes. to lie on the form. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and all of those things just play such a, a factor. Yes. How we're doing. Yeah. Um, do you feel like there is um, a specific condition that you cater to, or is this more generalized? Like, are people coming to you with the specific things? Um, it varies. Right now, um, it seems I've been helping uh, seniors who don't have any family nearby. Mm. And so a lot of times if the children are out of state, they will call and say, Hey, my parents are having a hard time. I don't think they're communicating well to the physician about their symptoms. Mm -hmm. And I don't think the physician is, is, is understanding what they're saying. We need some help. Can you accompany them to the physician's office? Can you take notes? Can you maybe get some resources for them while they're at home? Um, so that seems to be uh, what I've been working on lately. Um, you know, the system is so fragmented um, mm -hmm. that it used to be way back in the day, um, you know, your whole family sometimes would go to the same doctor, the same mm -hmm. general practitioner. And um, even generations sometimes would go to that same family practice doctor and he would, he would do the x-rays and he would order all of your labs and tests. And you could pick up the phone and actually talk to his receptionist or his nurse. And mm -hmm. they would sometimes even get you in that day where now you've got um, all of these specialists and you've got, you know, a cardiologist for the heart, a pulmonologist for the lungs, an orthopedist for bones, mm -hmm. and then your primary care physician, your gerontologist, your pediatrician. Mm -hmm. And so then this one person, you know, especially the seniors, when they are aging, you're starting to see multiple physicians. And that means that they are adding medications. Yes. And then a lot of times physicians, um, well, they're not communicating because sometimes they don't even know that they're seeing, you know, six other physicians, right. um, or they don't even know that they, the pulmonologist added a medication. And so I think, um, you know, what I'm finding is that it's really important to have those things in place, especially for seniors to have an accurate medication list. And then really you're the one or a loved one is in charge of making sure that uh, people, the physicians are communicating. Um, right. Well, and 
to your point about if one doctor prescribes a medicine and another one is unaware of it, and then they prescribe a medicine that there can be some issues there with, um, I want to say competing or contradicting or yeah. side effects that can just yeah. be real problems. Like, sure. I mean, at age 50, I take one medication, my Synthroid, but, um, yeah. That seems to be kind of unusual. Like a lot of people are taking 15 pills a day. And where it gets really hard is when, um, for example, I just, I had um, uh, a son of a client call me and he's in another state and his mom was getting discharged and they had to leave. They had to go back to, to work. She has mm. been in the hospital for a long time but they needed somebody, they didn't have anybody else here and they needed somebody to help her when she got home. They couldn't get her into a skilled nursing facility because she was one of those that was kind of doing too well to be right. considered um, able to go into a skilled nursing facility. So when she got discharged um, and discharge instructions can be a little vague. And so her discharge instructions were you know, add this, these six medications, continue on these 10, oh stop these five medications. Okay. So they send her home with this information. Well, she can't drive. She still has to pick up her medications mm -hmm. and then she's got to go home and fill up her pill box. And for the week, right. still hopefully home health which hadn't been completely approved when she was discharged from the hospital. So hopefully home health could get out there that week and help her with that. But they didn't, they couldn't get out because it kept getting denied. Oh and my goodness. So luckily I was able to um, help her and pick up her medications and get her home and fill up her very confusing <laughs> Right. Pill box for her. And I mean, we're talking 20 medications. Wow. And, um, and so that was, you know, I'm glad I was able to, to help the family with that. And then with telehealth appointments for follow-ups. And then finally we got the home health approved and, um, but yes, yeah, so that I mean, was, you're filling in a huge blank for people. And even if people are in town, and not out of town, um, if they're working or they're managing kids' schedules or their careers or whatever. I mean, we all have these very, very full, busy lives. Yes. Or we don't get along with us. Yes, that's true too. But well, and I know that you're aware of this too, but they, the sandwich generation, right? Where it's mm -hmm. the 40 to 59 year olds who are raising their own family. Yeah. And they are trying to be there emotionally and financially for their, for their own kids. And they're probably at the, you know, the peak of their career. And then they've got aging parents that right. they are trying to also help emotionally and financially. And they're being just pulled in many different directions. And so that's where I'm seeing, you know, a lot of the calls that I'm getting are from, uh, from kind of our age group where right. we have aging parents that, um, that we just can't find the time to, to help them in the ways that we really need to. 
Right. I mean, like we have a presentation coming up or we're heading out of town or there's yeah. a volleyball tournament and exactly. we all have to go. And I just, we exactly. just need that extra help. Yes. Yes. Wow. That's huge. Yeah. So do you feel like, um, I mean, I'm like, I'm just imagining you wearing 15 different hats and like being pulled in so many different directions. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like, you're going to need to be growing out your team or like, how are you doing? How are you doing all of this? Um, well, I have uh, a great group of, um, friends and colleagues Mm -hmm. that I count on and that I can, um, talk to about certain different things. Um, I think to stay, uh, true and, um, to have my allegiance stay towards that client, yeah. I think it will probably stay um, small. Yeah. Um, and just take on what I can, uh, mainly because, well, this gets into a, a great topic the difference between advocates. So, the reason I kind of want to stay small and not, you know, grow too large is mm-hmm. because. Um, so there's difference, there's, um, independent patient advocates, and then there are hospital employed patient advocates and nurse navigators and insurance Mm -hmm. patient advocates. And I think those nurse navigators and those patient advocates at the hospital, they do such a great job. Um, but their allegiance is really to the hospital system or to that insurance company, right? where my allegiance is to that patient, to that client that I am helping. And so, so I think that that's where, where I need to stay focused on. And um, I really get to know the families. I get to know the, the client. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's such an important piece of, um, of how I've been working this business, so. Well, and it sounds like people can hire you for a specific situation um, mm-hmm. to just help navigate that yeah. one hospital stay or the discharge yeah. planning piece of it. Is there, how, uh, how long do you typically work with a person or family for? It varies. Um, you know, there's a couple where I continuously go to the doctor with them. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, a lot of times it'll start off where, like I said, they'll call kind of in a crisis mode or they need to get a lot of things um, figured out. And so then I'll, I'll really be involved a lot. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of tapers down and I'm just kind of going um, to the doctor with them every once in a while or just making sure I'm updating their medication sheet and, um, and communicating with the physicians with any concerns or anything. Um, so, and then there's other times where I've gotten calls about, uh, prescriptions. Mm. So for example, um, I had a a guy that had an extremely high copay with a new medication that he was supposed to be on. And he was going to go back to his old medication because he, he, it was very expensive. And so I looked around for some grants, um, for him and found a program where, he could, he, it was written off for the year for Mm -hmm. him and he just has to reapply, but that all takes time. And you've got to know about the grants and the funding and the, 
Um, and so, so that was just kind of a one-time deal, but I was glad to be able to help him because it was a, it was an expensive medication. That's amazing. Yeah. It didn't even occur to me that that was an option to look at grants. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like it could be one very specific thing or crisis or situation or potentially like an ongoing, I mean, there's so much ebb and flow Yes, with the healthcare stuff. Um, what is your background? Like, or because when you're so involved in all this medical stuff, there's just a lot of language and things that you, um, I wouldn't necessarily know to ask or look for. So tell us a little bit about that. So I've always been on the administrative side of healthcare and, um, let's see, done pretty much everything from reception, transcription, to billing, to managing offices, uh, medical offices, uh, to marketing and physician liaison. And so um, just kind of knowing the ins and outs of how the administrative side of healthcare works, mm-hmm. um, and then just kind of putting that um you know, into this patient advocacy. Um, A lot of patient advocates uh, come with the background of either an administrative side, a nursing background or a PA background, pharmacy or some sort of a um, radiology technician. There's also been patients who have been through something serious. Mm. Cancer survivors um, decide, oh my gosh, I, this was, you know, such an experience and I want to teach people or I want to help people maneuver through this so they don't have to go through the challenges that I went through. So there's many different backgrounds. And so I think a lot of it is really taking the time and um, helping that client with their individualized plan. So. Well, and you and I know that when you are in these environments so um, concentrated for periods of time, you do just pick up on things and language and you can start to see some connections that other people wouldn't normally see, especially when as a family member, I mean, you get pretty freaked out in the situation. So it's so amazing that you can come alongside people and be that calm Yes. Voice of reason. Cause we all have these different capacities and what we can handle. Yeah. Well, and, um, you know, especially when either that loved one is getting discharged from the hospital mm-hmm. or, um, you know, the loved one just wants to, to rest, right. The person getting discharged, just, they don't want to have to deal with trying to get home health there or to deal with filling their pill box. They want to go home and they want to heal or they want to rest. Um, And then family members are, they can be overwhelmed and they Mm -hmm. are trying to help out in so many different ways with food and just uh, being there with their loved one. And so, um, so there's just so many different ways that a patient advocate can help. Um, you know, that, that family member or that client that they're working with. I'm just envisioning you with like this big toolbox and you're like, (laughs) you're able to pull all these tools out of your toolbox that people don't. And, you know, 
people, um, I mean, what the, some of the circumstances we've talked about, mm -hmm. they're just, they're so challenging, but even someone who seems to sort of have a, a grip, you can just use that extra set of hands and eyes and ears. Yeah. And so for example, I mean, how many times have you been to the doctor and you didn't write anything down? You just thought, oh, I got to go to, you know, mm -hmm. see the spine specialist. And you go in and, and you see him and, you know, tell him, yeah, I've been having back pain in my low back and, you know, kind of in my neck area. And um, you leave and you're walking out into the parking lot and you think, oh my gosh, I forgot to tell him I had been having headaches right. or I have been getting lightheaded or I've been dizzy lately. I wonder if that would have made a difference in his diagnosis. Right. And so just to try and be prepared, um, and that's part of, of what I do is I try to educate and empower uh, patients to go in and be prepared and take charge of their own healthcare. Because- so important, yeah. Yes, you need to advocate for yourself and for your loved ones. And so just being prepared and then asking appropriate questions and never being scared, you know, back, um, you know, I remember, you know, sometimes um, years ago, people never questioned, they never asked the doctor any questions or the nurse. Right. And so, and it's okay to do that. Um, because well, you, go it's ahead. Just, yeah, it's just, you know, you, you need to be educated in, in what's going on with your own healthcare. Well, you, you didn't need to question them because it was the same people every time seeing you, they knew you, you had more time, like insurance companies are putting these yes. demands on physicians. Yes. Like you said, you've got five to 10 minutes with someone yes. um, so, and they only have the information in front of them. I think yes. one of the, <clears throat> the most important things that I learned as a family member advocate for my grandmothers and then our, my father-in-law and mother-in-law is this is not their baseline. So when they go to the hospital and they are acutely trying to treat whatever is presenting mm -hmm. and they're like, well, they're stable. Mm -hmm. So clearly they can go back from whence they came. And you're yeah. like, no, two days ago, she could walk. Like yeah. this is not her baseline. Right. Just knowing that. So having you in the full, like, earlier would be so helpful. Yes. Yeah. So when would people engage you to start working with them? Yeah. Um, well, like I said, a lot of times it's usually not in crisis mode, but when they really need help. Yeah. Um, and so really, um, ideally it would be great to contact me sooner rather than later. Um, I do a kind of a medical binder and it has lots of great information in there. And that's where I do the past medical history and the past surgery. Because how many times do you go to the physician's office as a new patient and you have mm -hmm. to fill out one of those surgery sheets? Yeah. Okay. I cannot remember what year I had that you know, knee replaced, or when right. did I have my gallbladder out? And so just to have that organized with all of the dates, kind of a medical timeline for mm -hmm. a patient, and then that accurate uh, medication list to take into 
each doctor that you go to, um, and then a list of all of the physicians is the other thing that I put in there. Um, you know, because a lot of times there's nine or 10 physicians that people are seeing. Um, so really just to have, and then there's lots of other things that I put in this binder, but just to have that where they can keep it on their counter, mm -hmm. take it with them when they go, have, have the front office desk, make a copy of your medication list or your surgery list. Um, and then your advanced directives would be in there. And, and so really just having that all in one place and all organized mm -hmm. is, is super, super helpful. Uh, for family members. And if something just happens, really everybody should have one of these. Right. Yes. With, with the advanced directives and your wishes, because um, if something happened to me today, my husband would know, okay, this is her medical binder. I know that this is her medical history. Mm -hmm. And I know that this is what she would want. If anything, you know, if I couldn't speak for myself, this is what she would want. And all of it would be right here in this medical binder that he knows where, where it is and he could grab it and, you know, meet them at the hospital if need be. Right. So. And I mean, that is like the most baseline for anybody listening to this right now is make yeah. the list, take that time, make the list of past surgeries and dates, um, any maybe adverse reactions to anesthesia that you may have had your current list of medications and your list of all of your physicians and their contact information. And then those advanced health directives. Yes. I mean, that is our, all of our baseline. And this really has nothing to do. I mean, it does have to do with age in that mm. that list grows the older we get. Yes. However, if you are 34 years old and taking care of a grandmother I mean, have this for yourself as well. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. It's so important. Really anybody 18 and, and, and older should have, um, you know, a binder like this yeah. and your advanced directives and all of that information in one place. So we can, you can navigate pretty much any phase of the process with any health crisis and help pull all the information together for people, make sure that the right questions are being asked. You can help them on um, at home. It sounds like you can help them in a hospital. You are not tied to or restricted from. Do I have to like sign a piece of paper and that makes you my POA? Is that what's happening? Or how does this work that you can help talk to doctors? Yeah. So I have a release form that, so it's not actually a POA, but it's a release form mm -hmm. uh, that I have clients sign. And then that way I can talk to the physician's office or the insurance company or, um, and then they also list the family members that I can talk to on there. So um, I'll either have them fill out one of my forms or we'll fill out one from Methodist or CHI or mm -hmm. depending on what the organization is. Um, but that's, that's a, yes, we absolutely have to have that done right away. Uh, it just makes it a lot easier. And yeah. so your services are available in the Omaha Metro or how, what's your bubble? Yeah, I, um, <laughs> 
Omaha and, um, you know, Iowa area, but yes, um, I actually, um, I even travel further than that. I have um, a client about uh, about 80 miles away that mm -hmm. I help with. And so, um, you know, it just depends. I like to be, I like to meet my clients and I like to um, get to know them and their family. So it could be done um, over Zoom, but I really like to be there with them and then accompany them to the physician's office if that's what, you know, if that's what they want. But I do like to get to know my clients like that. Yeah. Face to face. There's, there's not like a licensing issue where you're only able to operate in the state of Nebraska or anything like that. No, no. That's Nebraska right. doesn't have um, any licensure for this. It's a, it's a board certified patient advocate and the certification has only been around for maybe four years, maybe five years now. Mm -hmm. And um, really the patient advocacy profession has only probably been around, well, nurses really are probably the biggest advocate out there, right? Mm -hmm. But um, really for about 15 years, it's really started to become um, this profession and it's growing for sure. And, um, but yes, the board certified patient advocate, you um, take an exam, take some courses, and then you take this exam and it just kind of, um, you know, helps people know that you have uh, the skills and the background to advocate for people in a healthcare setting. Sure. That's a lot. <laughs> Well, you're amazing. And I am sure people just feel like you are an angel swooping in to help them. Well, thank you. It's been very rewarding to help um, people and family members, especially the children who are out of state mm. and they cannot be here. Yeah. And, you know, to just have somebody there helping their parents, um, I think they they feel a lot better about the situation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Well, absolutely. Um, how do people get a hold of you? So I am listed in a couple of different advocacy sites. There is a site called uh, Greater National Advocates, GNA. And then there's an AFA, APHA, Alliance of Professional Health advocates. Mm -hmm. And so, and then also my website, which is outreachpatientadvocates.com. And then um, I have a Facebook page. And um, so yeah, you can reach out okay. to me in those in any of those ways. Okay. Well, thank you so, so much for being here. I, like I said, think you are such a gift. Um, to families because having been a family member and I know just enough, it's, it's even now still challenging. Um, so I think that's great that you're doing this. Thank you. And thank you for bringing the awareness. And I love your podcast and your videos. And I love how you're just embracing life right now. And oh. so it's been fun to watch you on your journey as well, Michelle. Thanks, Nikki. We'll talk soon. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.